welcome back to the Brazos Point Living Room. Happy 2023. We got the three amigos back together again to kick off the new year. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good Christmas. Yeah, great Christmas. Great, great holidays. Did you get all the things you want? The one big gift, Randy, that you wanted? <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, cool. Well, we are jumping right back in and we are picking up uh, for the last time our series in John. And so this year, as a church, we will finish the Gospel of John and we'll take it from now through Easter. And so I'm excited for us to pick this up. And this week we're in John chapter 13. So as we jump in, my first question to you guys is maybe weird, but I'm excited about it. What is something (laughs) you can observe or notice about a person that tells you a lot about who they are? Think about their routine, their likes, the things they quote, their desk, their driving styles. Like what for you when you notice about someone tells you a lot about who they are? I mean, I think there's a few things, but for me, y'all know I love TV, love movies. So for me, it's the TV shows and movies that they reference, that they quote, that just tells me things about not only stuff they've seen, but stuff that they, you know, let kind of work into their mm-hmm. everyday vernacular. Like, like that's actually kind of when I fall into friendship love with somebody is like that moment where you both quote the same movie at the same time for the same situation Mm. like we're gonna be friends (laughs) Mm. uh i think something that that tells a lot about people is what they eat Mm. you know you are what you eat (laughs) because you are what you eat yeah uh so you know it's like, man, that you guy. should be able to fly. He's hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> He's chicken. Like you saying, chicken. are you saying if you show up somewhere and someone goes healthy or they're all in for delicious? Well, like I had a lunch today, for example, and uh, someone said he said to me afterwards, "Yeah, I noticed that you rejected the free bread." You know, it's like, yeah. And he didn't go, oh, you're healthy. He goes, oh, you're trying to lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) See? Nailed you. Nailed me. Nailed me. He was like, I could see in your eyes you wanted the bread. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine is uh, also an indictment on myself. Um, But I think when you get into someone's car and you see the state of their passenger seat because <laughs> yours is pretty messy oh yeah and not just your passenger seat your back seat <laughs> oh yeah but the, where the, the children seat, but the, where the children go kids. yeah that's where the no, children there's go. an excuse there well one other excuse is my wife but um i'll protect her she so what do you think is in your passenger seat right uh, now uh a board game clothes <laughs> yes. probably some trash uh snacks and just junk like stuff your clothes like. Uh, no, I have a jacket, but there's kids' clothes. Is there a pair of shoes? There's there's, there's one shoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then yeah, I think not that a pair. It up. <laughs> not <laughs> a pair. Uh, but I think you tell a lot by someone. You know, when you get into someone's car and it's clean, you're like, oh, okay, I need for order. Especially if they especially if they have kids. Yeah, because if you've got is wild kids in a clean car, when you get into someone's car and they have car seats and there's nothing, yeah. it's like, how do you do? That's this? actually Ashley. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I just think you must have no free time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. Well, the reason we talk about that is because this week, uh, the message is titled Known For. And I'm excited as we come to really the end of Jesus's time. Uh, and as we, things begin to pick up in the Gospel of John, we're going to see quite a bit happen in these last few days and hours, really, of his life. So we're in John chapter 13, and I want to read to us just the two verses I really want us to camp out on today. Verse 34 and 35, here's what it says. This is Jesus talking, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus described that the way that people, that the world would know that we are his disciples is really how we treated and loved one another. So my question is, what makes loving one another such a powerful identifier that someone is a follower of Jesus? It starts with um, just the reality that it's it's countercultural, you know, like mm. it's it's not natural. It's it's supernatural, and that's not to say that people don't love each other, but like our, our default setting as humans is is self and selfishness, mm-hmm. you know? And so when someone has an outward-focused life and there is a selflessness about them, uh, there's probably something going on there. There's probably something that, that you want, you know, to have explained. Hmm. The thing that that stands out to me in your question, Joseph, is um, just the phrase follower of Jesus. So I was listening to the podcast that goes along with my current Bible study um, earlier this week from She Reads Truth, and they had a pastor named Afshin Ziafat on mm-hmm. there. Have y'all heard of him? Mm-hmm. And he said that Jesus uses the phrase, follow me, more than any other phrase in the New Testament. And so, and they, they started to unpack a little bit the studies over the life of Jesus. But what that makes me think of in this question is all the examples Jesus gave us of what it looks like mm-hmm. to love somebody. And so we, we've seen how powerful it can be because mm-hmm. we know what it has looked like when Jesus loved people. And so I think that does make it such a powerful identifier if we were to love people the way Jesus did. Well, and I think there's a part of this that's going on here that it's about loving people who are not like you. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, the, the mission of Jesus is to, to build a church across the world and across cultures and across uh, age barriers and across geographic barriers and ethnic barriers, and you know, and so ultimately the church is going to be a very diverse thing. Heaven is going to be a very diverse place, yeah. you know, and so I mean we've heard it said it's easy to love someone who's like you. It's much harder to love someone who's who's different, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of what identifies us as followers of Jesus. Is like, man, we have this bond in Christ that is so much greater than the differences that we have that are about our preferences and our backgrounds and things like that. And what unites us is greater than what makes us different. And so we love each other and we love each other in those differences. And and that's unique. Yeah. And I know for me, like I'll confess, I even have to take it a step further. Like for me, it's not as much about loving people who are not like me. It's loving the unlovable people of the people who are not like mm-hmm. me. Like there's people like me who So I you're saying you are lovable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, if you would let me finish my sentence, I was going to say there are people who are like me who are hard to love, you mm-hmm. know? So it's not even just different from me. It's, it's the hard to love. Yeah. 
Well, I think um, I love what you said, Randy. I think it, it's always a powerful reminder when we get to travel or go somewhere on a trip and be with other followers of Jesus on the other side of the world and really recognize, man, their culture is different, their language is different, their food is different, but I have more in common with them than I do someone who lives down my street in many ways because we have this bond. And so I love that Jesus said, the way the world will know you're my followers is how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. Talking about the church. Uh, and it really is a powerful identifier. So the other thought is, and the next question, what are the outcomes when we do not love one another as Jesus described? What When we don't do what he asked and commanded us to do, what is the outcome? Well, I think John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus' new command, like he says, if we do, then they will know. So I think it's pretty clear if we do not, then they won't know. Like if we don't love each other well, then people won't know that we're followers of Christ. Yeah. Or we paint a really poor picture of who it is we're following. Yeah. Yeah. We misrepresent Jesus. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I, th- I think what it can start to look like is people who aren't followers of Christ see <laughs> followers of Christ not loving each other and thinking either I want no part of that or I don't want to hear anything they have to say to me. I'll tell you one of the places where I see such a clear example of that that makes me so sad is Twitter. You know, it's the World Wide Web, right? It's a public forum, and and I see so many Christians arguing with other Christians over non-essential things, mm-hmm. and even essential things, but in the spirit and the tenor with which they do it is so mean mm-hmm. and so hateful and so uh, combative, you know? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, man, you're doing this. It's- like on the on the World Wide Web, like it doesn't get more public than this. Mm-hmm. And the way that you're behaving is so gross. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Jesus is is teaching us that if we're to lead people to Him, that love is the greatest apologetic. The way we bring people to Him is by the way we love each other. And ultimately, He's the one who set the model for how we are to love and care for one another. So, my next question is: If we are to follow Jesus's example. What does loving others like he did actually entail? Like, what does it really mean for us to love like Jesus did? I mean, ultimately, as Christ's followers, we're following after Christ in a way that we become more like Jesus. And so it's about doing what Jesus did, you know, Mm -hmm. and not just doing the actions, but also being motivated by the same internal motivators, having the same attitudes, having the same heart as Christ. And so I think there's some real clear things that it looks like to follow the example of Jesus. And it's, uh, it entails things like sacrifice. It entails things like uh, being selfless and putting people above yourself. It entails things like telling the truth, but doing it in love and with grace and always giving grace to one another. And, and you know, those kinds of core building blocks of mm-hmm. who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. Yeah, it makes me think of how Jesus answered the question of what is the greatest, the most important commandment for, you know, how we live our lives. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And if I was to love everybody the way I actually love myself. And, you know, like even those of us who sometimes struggle maybe with self-esteem or taking care of ourselves the way we should, at the end of the day, those things can even be about selfishness, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it really would be pretty world-changing if every follower of Christ followed that commandment and loved everybody as they love themselves. And I think it's important for us to remember in this, like, let's, let's have a true view of Jesus 
that's represented in the Gospels and not some caricature that's, you know, mamby-pamby, all unicorns and rainbows. Like, there's moments and there's spaces where Jesus exposes people's sin because that's the most loving thing for Him to do Mm -hmm. because it also exposes their need for grace and their dependence on Him. Mm -hmm. That's what... um Yesterday, um, when Joseph came to talk to me about part of this, I thought to myself, love plus truth. Like, it has to be love plus truth. And then I had this whole disagreement with myself because I was like, no, it's not love plus truth. Truth is part it's love of love. equals truth, yeah. You know, like, like to truly love somebody means that you want them to go, grow closer to Jesus. You want them um, to, you know live their life the way that Jesus wants us to live yeah. our lives, and you want them to want that for you, too. And so sometimes the most loving thing to do is a hard conversation. Well, and I think, like, going with your equation thing, I think it's love equals truth plus grace. Yeah. Like, that's that's what you see in Jesus. Hmm. I do think it's important that you brought that up, because I think, uh, and I'm excited for our groups to talk about this, <clears throat> I think many times when we think, okay, I gotta be like Jesus— Love like he did that we really hone in on one of those aspects, like the selflessness, the service, or the the accepting anyone or, or the the welcoming of anyone to sit at his table, or it's just the the truth part of you know, Jesus was very honest with people. And I think I love the idea and the reminder too that that to love and to, to follow Jesus' example is an all encompassing of all of those. And uh Many times we just pick one of those and think that's what it means, but it's really all of them. So I think it's important. And I think another thing, like going back to the piece of loving like Jesus, it's about selflessness and sacrifice, is it costs Jesus Mm -hmm. to love the way he loves. So be prepared for love one another to cost something of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't easy. It's messy and it's time consuming and it's complicated and it's going to require energy of you. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. this isn't easy stuff. And plugging myself into the equation, like for me to have that hard conversation actually is the thing that takes selflessness for me because I don't like having those conversations. It is much easier to, to just let things go and, you know, to not call out sin so much easier. So for me, the selfless thing is to actually put aside what makes me comfortable in order to do what's best for the person I love. Yeah, that's incredible. So thinking like what you're saying is it would be selfish of you oh, absolutely. to not confront the sin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's good. Well, I have us, we're talking about what does it look like to love one another as Jesus is commanding here in this new command. And we're actually given a good snapshot of people doing this in Acts chapter 2. And I wanted to read it to us before we discuss. Uh, But the question is, how does the early church care and love for one another? And I want to read the example we're given. Uh, Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. So what does it look like or what does the early, how does the early church care for and love one another? Like when you read Acts chapter two and those five verses, 
to me, it's almost like a New Testament version of the Garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. Like you got God created the garden and it's so wonderful and beautiful. And it's all about sharing and relationship with God in that space. And it's Mm -hmm. perfect. And then Adam and Eve chose sin and it breaks things and you got to follow man and, you know, and then they're sent out of the garden and all that, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it's almost like this is the Garden of Eden of the church where you've got this snapshot. And then you read the rest of the epistles and you look at how quickly they messed this Mm -hmm. up. They took this beautiful (laughs) thing and and, and sin and selfishness and, and, you know, person-centered kind of thinking kind of messed it up. But you really do have such a beautiful picture here of, of care and a, a picture of what it looks like for us to, to do the love one another's. And I think part of what is so important in that, in that is is really just kind of the whole of the element. Like you could, let's look at all of the separate elements of what's going on here. But the big picture of it is like there's this doing life together in a selfless kind of way where you are invested in, but also dependent on mm-hmm. the community. And so there's this there's this mutual, you know, I depend on you, but you depend on me that I think is a big part of what it looks like to love each other in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I When I think about that moment too, I also just think about, we like you said earlier, the reason why this is such a powerful identifier is because it's countercultural. I just imagine what the world looked like then as uh, compared to now. And for people from every different walk of life and economic status and whatever to to be united under the banner of jesus and to worship together and eat together and there was like your whatever you were before didn't matter when you gathered together and so i just think uh just the unity and the selflessness and it's just like this is who i am and you know, I, I just think that there's such a powerfulness there. Well, and then when you think about the reality that you don't have to get out of the New Testament to see this, you know, distorted, right? Like mm-hmm. the rest of the epistles, <laughs> you've, you've got a lot of spaces where there's instructions for churches that are, you know, messing up the love of one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, man, we got to fight for this. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to work at this. We got to fight for this. We got to pursue this. Mm-hmm. It's not going to come easy. So it's countercultural, but it's also counterintuitive That's for right. people, for humans, for yeah. man, <laughs> the set of heaven. Uh, so here's, here's the next thought. You know, we read this snapshot of this playing out well before maybe it falls apart a little bit. Um, but what does it look like and what are specific ways that we can do the same in our current context? Our world, our context looks very different, but what would it look like played out today? One of the first things that comes to my mind is create space in my life. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like I've kind of hit on multiple times, like this takes energy, this takes effort, this takes time, it has a cost. And if we're maxed out and we don't have margin, if we don't have margin in our time, we don't have margin in our finances, we don't have margin in our emotional energy, like we're not able to do this well. Mm-hmm. And so we got to prioritize it, I think is what yeah. I'm getting at. You know, it really becomes a priority. Yeah, I think a good first step for me, for me and Jeff, is similar to what you're saying, like make time for it, but also go ahead and put it on the calendar. Like Jeff is a very um, diligent, disciplined, routine person. So if I said to him, I think we need to go out to eat with a person, a couple, a family (laughs) from Brazos Point every month, you know, like he would make sure that we did that. So mm. 
I think that'd be a great first step for us. We love eating, and mm-hmm. that's it, it's in there. <laughs> they broke bread <laughs> well, and, together. And I, but I, I they just didn't like, pass on the bread, Randy. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> Notice, I said, go out to eat. I like the <laughs> I like the real life practicality of the conversation. It's like it's okay to plan. To love well, one you another. Pretty much have to, or yeah. you're, you're getting one of those epistles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you'd like to go out to eat with me and Jeff, let me know. <laughs> I think what you said, Randy, is really wise. Like you have to create space, and not only your schedule, but in your budget, in in your mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Uh, in your life, to be able to do some of these things. And I want to come at this from a, like a different way. And uh, I think one of the ways this would look like in my life and in many people's life is like be more open to be vulnerable. And from the the concept and the idea you said of like this mutual dependence, like, am I willing to be dependent on someone else? Uh, we're very independent yeah. people. To show my need. Yeah. yeah. And to be I want to meet your need, but uh-huh. am I willing to show yeah. my need? Yeah, some of the folks who are the best at meeting others' needs are, are some of the worst at receiving yes. help. <laughs> they drive me nuts. <laughs> but I think that's important. Like, you know, maybe you're like, yes, I have the margin. I'm willing to. I just need more opportunities. But also... And look inward. Mm. Are you allowing people to love and minister to you? And are you open to be dependent on other people? I think it's a massive yeah. part of this. Well, and and like you said, to be vulnerable, uh, but also to go to a point of vulnerability that's actually meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't think anybody's unaware of how much I need help on auto mechanics. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. uh, but how deep is that really going into my need? Yeah. Sometimes fairly deep but (laughs) (laughs) but other parts of your life yeah 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 something that's more more to the heart Hmm. well again this is a really good snapshot you know uh, as we approach the end of john we see that jesus clearly knows his time's running out and he's doubling down on what he wants to be known for and what he wants his people to be known for and i think this is really interesting is these two verses we're talking about here randy you highlight this in your message uh jesus is giving a new command in the midst of a lot of stuff that's happening he is uh, in the midst of being betrayed by Judas, and he identifies that. He's being denied by Peter, and he's setting it up, and he's running out of time, and in the midst of all of that chaos, he's giving a new command. And so it's clear it must be important. And so I just think that's important to remember as we talk about this, that Jesus, with his final moments, said this. And so it must be incredibly important for us and for his church. So I have these last two thoughts uh, and really it's a conversation for us to have of ultimately, what do you want to be known for? But before we get there, I just quickly want to know and to hear from each of you, what do you think you are known for? All right. And then we will tell you if that's true or not. Right. I've had a little time to think about this. I've got an answer. I think I'm known for being easygoing. Yeah. What Hard else? to ruffle. Hard to ruffle. What else? Well, I gave you one. Give me one. <laughs> huh? Why would you keep going? I want to be like, what no. else? We'll affirm that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think I'm known for having fun. I like to work hard and play hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. What about you, Shelly? Um, I think I am known for my love for pizza. Mm. And I think I'm known for laughing easily. Mm. We can affirm both of those and as loudly. Well. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have gone last. 
I think we're the three of the same person. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're known for your foot racing skills. Oh, yeah. I'm known. Yeah. Exceptional now. speed. <laughs> Exceptional speed. Or oh, faster than you, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm known for being chill, for easygoing, for loving to laugh, uh, and for giving gifts. Mm, that is true. Think so? Yeah. Yeah. That's why we like hanging out with each other. <laughs> we like to laugh you and chill to and get gifts. Joseph's gifts. <laughs> no, I, actually. No, you have gifts? I do have two Again? gifts. Again? What did he do? I was really hoping you would disagree with me and then I could just say, well. No. So for Michelle. No, you were my secret saying I know you're good at giving gifts. I've got a large case of Big Red. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Big Red in a can. And yes. for Randy, I've got you. A Christmas gift. Oh, All right. nice! For it's our a T-shirt. Friends at home. That says, "What does it say?" It says, <laughs> "After church naps," but it says, "Dim after church naps." Yeah, though. dim after church naps. After church naps, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. And after oh, church yes. naps are sacred yes, at the Dane are. House. Thanks, Joseph. I may be yeah. known for our naps. Actually, actually, I can think of people who know me you, because yes, they're like, known as a napper. They know he's going home to nap today. <laughs> So we know what we're known for okay. currently, um, and probably more things than that. But think about your life. Ultimately, what do you want to be known for? Maybe think about your funeral, what they're saying. What do you want to be known for at the end of your life? What comes to mind for me? So Jeff and I spent some time um, last year working on, I guess, our family mission statement is what you would call it. Um, but it is. It's what we want to be known for. And the statement is investing in the next generation of the church. We want to be known for being invested in the next generation of the church. And that's threefold. And so it means literally like the next gen at our church, Brazos Point, like we want to be invested in kids and students and college students. And then um, we also want to be invested in church planting. So like the next generation of churches. And we also want to be invested in mission efforts in unreached, unengaged areas with people groups who are unreached and unengaged. Um, and we want to be invested with our time and talents and treasures. That's awesome. So yeah. our family mission statement is the Dane family mission is impacting God's kingdom by living and loving generously. And so ultimately, you know, a good mission statement guides your decision making. Yep. And that's where it comes down to me to that idea of knowing that you have to create space and time and energy for it. Because if we're going to be generous, you can't be generous when you are out of resources. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, I, and that's people resources, human resources, time resources, money resources. You can't. And that means you have to say no to something. That's right. And so if we're going to make the impact that we want, if we're going to be able to really live and love generously, uh, we got to be invested in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my family mission statement is not wordsmith like yours. <laughs> <laughs> we measure time in blues. <laughs> uh, yes, apparently. Uh, I think at the end of my life, uh, or just what I want to be known for, is uh, I want to be known as compassionate. I want to be known as humble. And I want to be known for... Um, just being a loving person mm. and uh, 
almost like hospitable too. I don't think hospitality is like the like my uh, spiritual gift, um, but the fact that I'm willing to welcome someone into my home and my life um, is kind of how I mean that. So I think ultimately that's what I want to be remembered for, and all the other things I want to be known as you know Bandit from Bluey. As a dad, well, and at the risk of giving the Sunday school answer, um, you know, Jesus, I want to, I want to be known for Jesus. But like when I think about that, uh, like I'm in a space now where that's taken on a different. I've come at that from a different angle. Like I want to be known for loving Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like you, there was a time where I wanted to be known for being like him, and I do. I want to be like him because that's what he's doing in us. But man, if if I really had to boil it down to, I, I want people to know, man, I. Love Man, him. I don't Jesus. just love his church. I don't just love my wife the way I do because I'm hit. Like I love him. I love mm-hmm. Jesus. I love his grace. Mm, that's good. So with our list, and we kind of got into this, but the things you said, I want to be known for at the end of the day, ultimately for these things, what is one thing you can start doing now to make that a reality? I think it's so natural to talk about the things that we love. Yeah. You know, like... You want to talk about the best chicken fried steak in town? I can do that, you know. And uh, and so for me, I think it's just about uh, stirring and growing those affections for Jesus, you know. And there's lots of things that that I'm doing actively to stir and grow those affections for Jesus. Uh, one of which is watching The Chosen. <laughs> it is not the Bible. Seriously, have you caught up? Are you? I'm not. Haven't started the new. We're a little behind in the third season. But haven't even started it. Ugh, what have good. I been doing? I will say it? we're we're in the third season, and I'm still loving it. Uh, but I do. There are spaces that I'm a little like I'm watching it with a, a lens of. Okay, this is an interesting storyline that, you know, is extra. Right. Yeah. Took some creative license, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm okay with, but I just, yeah. I, I want to be mindful of. Right. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Shelly? What can you do? I think for us, for me, um, it's really looking for opportunities to do that. So, like, to be invested in the next generation. Um, Jeff has an ongoing opportunity to do that. He's a ninth grade boys small group leader. So every week he's investing in the next generation. Um, And for me, I've got um, some college age girls that I meet with and um, the holidays kind of put us on hold. So I need to get back into that, but making sure that that's something that I prioritize and that, you know, I want to approach it in the way that I set it as an investment, not just something I do, not, you know, it's okay if it's... Yeah. You got three Dane children that you're pretty invested in. I do, yeah. I think mine, I think a lot of mine, honestly, uh, start with me honestly just taking stock of myself, like an honest look at my life. What am I really doing? Um, what are my motives behind those things and really being honest with myself about, am I doing what I've, I've said I want my life to be about from a purpose side of things? Like, am I really being compassionate in my heart? Am I really humble? Am I all these things? And then I think some of the other things are creating or saying yes to some of those opportunities to, to be that, like you said, um, I need to make some phone calls. I need to make some, have some texts and and schedule some coffees and invite some people into our home and cook some dinner um, to really, I think those are real practical ways I can make that end goal a reality today. 
But you also just have gotten engaged in some new kind of areas of ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Like the the working in prison and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In some spaces where you're putting your practicing what you're preaching. Yeah, and that's incredibly eye-opening. And so it's been real good for me Mm -hmm. personally. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'm glad to be back together again, guys. And uh, I'm, I'm. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to get, get, get mean to leave. Just me. I'm glad to get get gifts. Yeah, that's really why Randy's here. Yeah, and to losing races. The Dave uh, family mission is getting generous, <laughs> <laughs> receiving. Oh man! Well, we're glad you're listening. We're excited for this next season and season two of the podcast, and we hope that you follow along with us, not just on the podcast, but we hope that you get connected in group as well. And if you would like to know how, reach out to us on our website, through our app, or just shoot us an email at smallgroupsofbrazospoint.com. We love you guys. We'll catch you next week.